From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm budget and appropriations reporter Jennifer Shutt, and we are doing something slightly different this week because House Budget Committee Chairman John Yarmuth is joining me today to talk about what we know about election results so far um, and how what we're seeing in terms of election returns is going to impact the lame duck and the budget process next year. So, Congressman Yarmuth, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Good to be with you. So I want to jump right in because I'm guessing like you and a lot of other people, I have just been, you know, watching these returns all night and throughout the morning and into the afternoon. And I really want to get your takeaway from the results that we've seen so far, because especially in the House, Democrats were projecting and a lot of analysts were projecting that the Democratic Party was going to pick up seats. And it doesn't seem like that's happening. It doesn't, and uh, that's going to have, I think, very interesting uh, repercussions for the House in general and certainly for the budget process next year. Uh, We thought we'd have pick up 12 to 15 seats, which would have given us a sizable majority, and and now it looks like it's going to be a a very small majority, which uh, makes getting anything done uh, without Republican help difficult. And how is that going to impact the budget process next year? The you know fiscal 2022 budget resolution is going to be the first time in a decade the budget committee has set the total discretionary spending level. Um, and it's going to be the first time in quite some time we've seen this document from Democrats in the House kind of looking at all these big picture issues that the country is facing on the annual deficit and the cumulative debt and how to address issues on healthcare spending and defense spending going forward. Um, And I'm curious how this sort of narrower House majority is going to impact your sort of approach to writing the budget resolution next year. Well, uh, first of all, it's it wasn't easy two years ago or a year and a half ago when we when we did the uh, the bipartisan budget agreement that set the caps for uh, fiscal twenty and twenty one. Uh, even on the committee, we could only lose three votes and to get it out of committee, and we lost three, but <laughs> barely got it out. Uh, and so, you know, in our caucus with uh, a a hundred or so strong uh, progressive caucus, and then an almost equal size New Dems caucus. We have, um, you know, to trying to get 218 votes uh, in any situation is not easy. And then to get 218 out of say 225 or 227 becomes even that more difficult. You know, we we will have um, significant fights over. Uh, I think, well, let me say this, the, the budget a resolution next year, uh, by necessity, will have a significant deficit. There's no question about that. It, I mean, the baseline uh, is uh, gives us a significant deficit, and then Democrats are going to want to do more things, on the certainly on the non-defense side. That means that uh, we put more pressure on new Dems to vote on bigger deficits, which they'll resist. And then on the other side, uh, you know, we'll, I'm sure the Progressive Caucus will want to make substantial cuts in, de- in defense spending, which uh, causes problems with some of our other members. 
So again, navigating that that very uh, interesting uh, uh, logistical situation is problematic for sure. Is there any chance, depending on how narrow Democrats' majority is in the House, that you and Democratic leadership would approach a budget resolution and try to draft it with Republicans? I mean, if you guys have a really slim majority and you might not be able to walk that thin line between new Democrats, moderate Democrats, and progressive Democrats, do you think there's any chance where you sit down with um, you know, whoever the new top Republican on the budget committee is going to be and draft a document you know, that has bipartisan support? Is that something we could see next year? It's highly unlikely. I, I think if, um, you know, if Joe Biden is, ends up being president, he's going to have his own budget proposal. And I think we would want to uh, give a certain amount of deference to that in constructing our own. And that might make a bipartisan approach more difficult. But, you know, if, uh, if a Joe Biden wants to uh, take the leadership, uh, t- take a leadership role in trying to put something together like that, that uh, would certainly be something worth doing or worth attempting. Let me let me put it that way. But I can't again. I can't. I can't imagine a Republican group that wanted to spend more on non-defense and less on defense. So, given all of that and what we know right now, Wednesday afternoon about election results. Do you think that you will be able to successfully write a budget resolution that can not only get out of committee but can get across the House floor? I think it's a it, it would take a monumental effort, <laughs> and you know, we're you know, we we had made a lot of plans uh, for a different scenario where where we were talking about reconciliation budget resolution and those types of things, assuming that we were going to have a Senate majority. And uh, so now we have to go back to square one and, and start uh, talking with our various caucuses, which, you know, I will start doing pretty soon to, to try and see where we might come to, uh, uh, if, there's a, if there's a possibility to get, get something that gets 218 votes on the floor. Again, we haven't been very successful in, in doing that. Uh, neither party has been very successful in doing that over the last decade. So then do you think that there's a chance that House Democrats don't mark up a budget resolution next year? Is that a possibility given what we're seeing with the election right now? We are definitely going to have a markup of a budget resolution. I'm committed to that. Now, whether I can get enough votes for it in the committee is a, is a different question, but uh, we're going to do it. And again, you know, I, I think since it will be the first budget uh, resolution under a a Democratic president uh, in a while that uh, certainly Joe Biden's first, I I hope that uh, he can provide some leadership which will help us do that. And one of the things that will be different in next year's budget process that um, we haven't seen for about a decade is that that 2011 deficit reduction law, that Budget Control Act, um, is gone for discretionary spending next year. And so there's no spending caps negotiation that has to take place between congressional leaders and the White House. And so the budget committees are once again going to be tasked in the annual process with coming up 
with that total amount of discretionary spending or that 302A. And I'm really curious to get your thoughts on what um, you as budget chairman and House Democratic leaders are thinking about doing on discretionary spending, both on the non-defense side of discretionary spending and then on the defense side of discretionary spending, which you sort of hinted at a few minutes ago. Right. I, I think that you would, uh, you could uh, pretty much bet that a budget resolution that, that, the, that our committee puts, uh, marks up, would have a, uh, at least a, um, a no increase in the defense budget. And uh, we'd be under a lot of pressure to, to actually cut defense spending. On the, de- on the non-defense side, a lot of it will depend on whether or not there's a lame duck um, COVID relief package. If there is, then we might not have to uh, plan for as much additional spending. If there isn't, then there's going to be a lot. It'll be, you know, it'll be in the trillions of dollars uh, added to, uh, to accomplish that. So it, uh, <laughs> a lot depends on what happens in the lame duck on, on whether we get a, a HEROES Act. And what are some of the other big issues that when you talk to sort of various sections of the House Democratic Caucus in the coming weeks about next year's budget resolution, what are some of the issues that you really want to get their opinions on outside of the discretionary spending component? Well, one thing, one thing will be taxes. Well, I want to try to get a handle on where the, where the caucus is on uh, uh Change, rolling back some of the, the uh, taxes from the 2017 Republican bill. I, I'm sure that the caucus overall would, would want to do something, particularly on the corporate side and on things like carried interest and, and some other uh, ideas that uh, we've always been in favor of. And then you know, I think one of the things that we've always done when we either put up a counter budget when we were in the minority or uh, when we were talking about it in the majority was to uh, anticipate comprehensive immigration reform, which actually has a very positive impact on, on the budget. So those are things that, that I'm pretty confident that the caucus would be interested in doing. And then you get into issues like how much do you want to do, for, whether we want to do an infrastructure package, what does that look like? And um, you know, over what period of time? that'll be a a significant part of the conversation as well. I know this isn't sort of determined yet, but in a situation where you, you, you know, draft your budget resolution next year, you get it out of committee, you get it across the house floor. Um, I know there's going to be a lot of, a lot of work that goes into that um, scenario, but sort of assuming all that happens and there's a Republican Senate, what's the next step for the budget process? Do you think a Democratic House and a Republican Senate would try to conference that budget resolution? Or is that just a a, a real long shot that might be sort of a waste of everyone's time? (laughs) It would be a real long shot. There's no question about that. And, you know, what what we've seen in recent years is the Republican majority in the Senate hasn't even bothered to to come up with a budget resolution. They haven't tried. and I don't suspect they would, again, particularly with a Democratic president and, and a Democratic House. It would, I think they would certainly consider it a waste of time under those circumstances. Now, I don't know who would chair the budget committee in a Republican Senate uh, since uh, Senator Enzi is, is leaving. 
there's been some thought that Lindsey Graham might now that he's been reelected. Um, so that might have something uh, to do with whether they actually attempt a, a budget resolution. A new chairman might want to do that. Uh, and then uh, there might be an opportunity to conference one. It would be a novel uh, thing to happen. There's no question about that. And one of the other sort of long shot, somewhat unlikely issues that I really want to talk to you about um, sort of on my behalf and all of the budget nerds out there is that <laughs> for, for the last several years, there's been this sort of ongoing conversation in the background that I know you've been a part of about overhauling the annual budget and appropriations process. We've seen some bipartisan bills in the Senate. We had the Joint Select Committee on Budget and Appropriations process reform that fizzled out at the end. And we've had all these sort of, you know, good government groups um, sort of suggesting various ways to overhaul the annual process. None of them have, have gotten much traction. And so I'm curious what you think the next two years look like on the budget process reform front. I'm not sure that would be a priority either for me or, or for the caucus. Now, I'm, I've been in favor of a, of a biennial, biennial uh, budget process and uh, I've worked with uh, Steve Womack of Arkansas when he was uh, chairman and I was ranking member. And we've, uh, we've talked about pursuing that. Uh, uh, and I still think that would be a, a positive change to do, uh, to set the top line numbers for two years, as we just did in uh, a year and a half ago. And then the appropriators could appropriate annually if, if they wanted to. I know that the appropriators don't want to go to biennial. Uh, although there has been some talk of possibly doing uh, six of the appropriations bills in one year and then the next year do another six and, and make them for two years. Uh, again, the appropriations committee will have a new chair next year in, in the House. And they, so I'm not sure where where that committee would stand, it, but, but it's certainly worth, it's worth a conversation. I just don't think it would be a top priority right now. We've got uh, too many pressing problems to, that we're going to have to try to deal with that are more substantive of a more, more impact to the American people. And I, and I think one of the things that we discovered, I think all of us on the, the joint select committee uh, in 2017 concluded that the problems with the budgeting process really aren't structural. They are, yes, there are things we can do to map, probably make it work a little more efficiently, but the real problems were human. And there, there's no way to, there are all sorts of proposals to do triggers. And, and of course, there's the no, pay, no budget, no pay prop, uh, proposal. Uh, but, but none of those, you know, Congress always finds a way to work around those gimmicks. And I think all of the 16 of us realized, no, this is a people problem. This is, uh, unless the members are committed to, uh, to doing a budget in regular order, there was no uh, structural change that was going to make that possible. House Budget Committee Chairman John Yarmuth, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, good to be with you. 